0: This is Mike Palmer. We're going to give you a little treat here in honor of Quibi's passing. This is a show that Tarlan Ray and I recorded back towards the end of May, right after the George Floyd incident and the outrage that followed. And at the same time, we had just watched a, a docu-series on Quibby called Blackballed about the 2014 Los Angeles Clippers, the Donald Sterling racial uproar that occurred, ultimately resulting in him losing his ownership stake and Adam Silver establishing the beginning of his tenure as NBA commissioner. Really relevant on a number of fronts, but particularly relevant in So Long We Hardly Knew You to Quibi. So with that, I'll run you back to late May, early June when we were recording this initially. Thanks as always for listening. Welcome back to Running it Back, the Lessons Learned podcast about sports, media, the world around us. I'm joined as always by Tarlin Ray. Tarlin, welcome back.
1: I appreciate it. I appreciate sharing space with you again
0: Yeah, and it was fun getting this show off the ground covering the last dance documentary on ESPN, the Michael Jordan Saga, 10 hours. Five Sunday nights, uh, and we put four shows together, breaking it down. If you haven't listened yet, you should. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, we had such a good time. We were like, we we can't stop. We got to keep doing this, clearly. And then you suggested uh, a little something for us that we're going to be covering on today's show. So so why don't you introduce us to, to what we're going to be talking about today?
1: For those who watched the 10 hours of must-see TV, there were tons of commercials promoting a new documentary called Blackballed on this new app called Quibi, not Mm. Qbert. Yeah. Not Quince, Quince, Quibi. Yes. And so it covered the 2014 Los Angeles Clippers and the fall of Donald Sterling. I got to believe the only NBA owner to ever be kicked out of the league and forced to sell the team. So it was timely. It was interesting to go from, seeing the Jordan documentary and then following a team in the 2000, 2010s. But then also uh, super timely have this conversation with just how crazy and whatever, what's going on in the world with George Floyd, mm-hmm. Maude Arbery, Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. and you the numerous, including Trayvon Mont, which is covered in this documentary, mm-hmm. the things that are going on. So you got a COVID that we were grappling with as you were, uh, taking a moment to clap for our first responders as yep. you are close enough to be able to give those kudos and applause to people uh, that are um, working on the front line against the visible enemy. And now we've got a mixture of social unrest. And for the first time, really people getting to see racism in its pure form yep. and it creates, you know, interesting time to be talking about blackball and it could be, if you hear a little, I'm a little tired of my voice, it's sort of physical and mental exhaustion from what's happening in 2020, which is a really screwed up year. Yeah, yeah, a lot in there. And the year has just been a nonstop
0: tough ride for folks who are trying to understand what's happening in the world around us. And, and then part of the idea of this show is, you know, can we use media, can we use documentaries and sports narratives to help us try to make sense of all this? And uh, yeah, I do you think Quibi notwithstanding, and we'll get some some short hot takes about Quibi in a second, but blackballed is super relevant to anyone who's trying to understand systemic racism and the impact of media and protests and all those kinds of things. This in the context of the Clippers in 2014, You know, fast forward six years to where we are now, some of the seeds were already already out there back in the day. And then also a really interesting story just around basketball, too. So that that is something where I was trying to put the Clippers team into context and try to understand some of the challenges they were facing and some of the ways in which, whether it was Adam Silver or Doc Rivers or Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, the, the players on the Clippers team, and more broadly, just players in the NBA... How they were responding to the Sterling situation was pretty uh, profound and relevant, both as a thing to think about nowadays as protests are, are really central to a lot of what we're thinking about. But then also looking back to The Last Dance where, you know, Jordan was notoriously not political and notoriously not protesting and he got beat up pretty good about that. So, so yeah, I think there's plenty of directions for us to take in terms of talking about black And, and then obviously the George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, you know, all the names over the years, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, the names just keep on going. Obviously that's something that is affecting everybody nowadays. So where do you want to go, man? I want to start with something lighter. Let's talk yeah, about, please. what a disaster
1: A launch, $1.8 billion to launch Yeah, an idea where they're forcing—they believe in now. Granted, it's bad timing because they wanted to force uniform factor. All you can do is watch your content on your phone. Yeah, short clips, so seven minutes, so you can do this while you're on the subway. You can do this while you're standing in line and get all the content you need. Mm -hmm. One. Why $1.8 billion? Are you kidding? Why? Never heard of like starting small and seeing if people really like it. Never really asked them to like it. Yeah. Two, they force you on the phone. No one's doing a lot of traveling and they had no thoughts of ever being able to release the content a la Netflix or having an app on smart TV. Yeah. 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 Please continue. Yeah. There's there's three. I won't be all negative. It's not a hard watch. But three, why get rid of binge watching? Why? Mm-hmm. And the first time I download Quibi, and maybe it's because they had stacked up six episodes, I could watch six in a row, it's seven minutes, so it's right. like watching show an ad like you can power through and don't feel like yeah. you're doing yeah. yeah, but then it's like, and the next episode's going to come out tomorrow. oh, come on, really it's right. just ridiculous right and the only reason I powered through is because I knew we were going to do this, and it was interesting content, but I won't watch anything else I've done my free I got my fourteen yeah. day free trial. right and well yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I was just my
0: context for Quibi. I kind of was was working around the edges. So the first time was walking my boy Matthew on a stroll. I was strolling the boy in the stroller, and I was listening to Quibi like it was a podcast. So it's a video oh. documentary, but I was listening to it. And there's another word uh, for 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 that. It's called the podcast. So like this whole thing could have just it's just called a podcast. You could have just delivered oh, to me the same level of value <laughs> by just giving me a podcast version of it. And then when I got home for the second uh, set that they released, the the second, I guess, half hour-ish, 40 minutes, I was able to cast it to my Apple TV from my phone. So I had to kind oh, of... I
1: could have done that. All I right.
0: kind of like hack around to get back to the viewing experience. They should have just freaking built for me to begin with. So... Don't make it so hard on me. Make it a little frictionless, and especially if you're spending 1.8 billion, I have an idea. Make it frictionless. Understand the context in which I'm going to want to consume your shows. That being said, if this was like a 90-minute Netflix documentary, HBO documentary, uh, Showtime documentary, I think it would have been pretty good, and I think it would have flowed fine. If the I found the the sort of arbitrary seven-minute format to just be awkward it was like right by the time it was getting my attention i had to go through a, a, a jerking around when also i would have just listened to a 90-minute podcast about this you know so so wake up. great
1: great great content by the way it's a, well done but yeah i don't get it
0: yeah but that being said <laughs> the the body of work and i would say for our listeners it is worth watching or listening to, 100%. Or getting access to this content, I do feel like it, it armed me with some interesting context and information that I never really had before, which is part of what I liked about The Last Dance. I remembered the Sterling, Donald Sterling case, uh, when it came up and when, when he lost ownership, but if you would have quizzed me before watching Blackball, I probably would have gotten several questions wrong. I would have misremembered some aspects of the story. And then also uh, just understanding the at a personal level, the, the primary players in the narrative, the players on the Clippers, Doc Rivers, their coach, other leaders within the NBA, Adam Silver was just starting as commissioner, all those data points, even the context relative to Trayvon Martin, which was two years prior, I probably had fuzzy memory about those things. And now I can talk about them with some depth. And maybe that's what we could could start moving towards next. And then also, I just really, I was mentioning you when we were coming into this, part of why I love uh, running it back on these old things is that as a gentleman who's maybe getting on into my middle years, I don't have encyclopedic memory of all these seasons. And then you watch the documentary and it brings it all back. They had a super team. The The Clippers were really good. They were a contender. And, and then this happened during the playoffs too. Playoffs? This happened playoffs? during... During the playoffs, while they were playing a young Golden State Warriors team, Steph Curry and Clayton, Splash Brothers on the rise, it did take me back. There was some amazing basketball happening in the first half of the the 2010s, not just the stuff that I actually remember as, as a middle-aged man. And then taking me back, it was a fascinating context when the Sterling thing broke and then understanding almost from the journalistic perspective, how do you tell the story of how this thing broke and how, how the NBA responded and how Sterling responded. So we should probably set the
1: scene to make it simple. Please, we'll give please. the quick cliff notes. Please, Los Angeles Clippers have been one of the worst franchises in NBA history. Donald Sterling buys a team when they were in San Diego for what at that time was very, no, not a lot of money. Real estate guy. So he's a buy and hold guy. So we buy something, buys the building, doesn't put a lot of work into it, and just continues to accrue the benefit. The asset gains value, and you get recurring revenue coming in. That's sort of his game. Right. So the Clippers are awful. And I grew up, as you know, Lakers fan, 80s. I mean, no one went to the sports arena to watch Billy, Billy
0: Crystal, maybe, right? Billy, Billy
1: Crystal. Billy Crystal and, like, two of my buddies who claim they're diehard. I'm like, I just don't understand why you would ever do that. Oh, everyone liked the Lakers. I'm like, and? So – Clippers are terrible, and they would go through in the documentary quickly. They'd walk through draft picks that refused to come to the Clippers. and went, went to Europe, Danny Ferry,
0: Danny yeah. Manning,
1: who's all-world, and, tears the ACL, and they ACL never the same. The, ca- the candy man?
0: Olaquandi, right? I can,
1: on, Olo- I- I- Ola candy. Yeah. <laughs> so we then fast-forward, and you get to the 2009 drafts where they finally get it right, and, and they draft like Griffin. DeAndre Jordan's already on that team. 2011, which still pisses me off to this day because mm. Stern nicks the trade from Charlotte to the Lakers. Right. Chris Paul magically ends up on the on the Clippers. 2011. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That squad. Actually, they said that the moment that the Clippers came into everyone's conscience was in 2010 in one of Blake Griffin's first games when he caught a pass, a bounce pass, and might have had one of the most ferocious dunks over one of your Knicks players. Yeah. So it was your Knicks that mm-hmm. helped bring them on the rise. And then you get Chris Paul to come. And it's lot. now we, let's fast forward. And it's 2014 Lob City.
0: Yeah, and that was a cheap shot, but I'll allow it. Yes, continue. Uh, did,
1: really? I just, yeah. I felt like it was so. Yeah. I said it just in the same- It's all
0: right, it's all right. It's all about, it's all about acceptance and empathy these days, yeah. yeah. So all
1: the while, we know who Donald Sterling is as a person. He's getting sued because of discriminatory practices in his, mm-hmm. in his apartment buildings, mm-hmm. and he just gets away with it. And he also is just sort of a creepy old dude. He's yes. a guy that when players come, they feel uncomfortable around him. He'll bring mm-hmm. people into the locker room, men and women to say, look at these black bodies, and just as mm-hmm. a really strange mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. And then we get into, as you said, the Lob City year, where the Clippers are one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. No one wants to play them. Mm-hmm. As you said, it was uh, JJ Reddick, yeah. Paul Crawford, yeah. Collison off the bench, DeAndre mm-hmm. Jordan, Blake Griffin, mm-hmm. Chris Paul. Like that's a squad. Mac Barnes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Before, Matt Barnes, had he, had all, little, before Matt Barnes, all he wanted to do was fight. Yeah, but they had some toughness.
0: Doc Rivers had come. He Doc had Rivers. success with Boston beating the Lakers. <laughs> that was a cheap shot. Let's <laughs> so, be clear. But, and then he was able – I mean, and that was a big move for him to go to the Clippers. And there was, there was a little bit of championship buzz around this team. Obviously, putting it in context, the Dream Team is happening at the same time. The Heat, the big three of yep. the Heat. And then San Antonio was strong, Kevin Durant, okay, Westbrook, OKC okay, is still a super team, but they had a puncher's chance, particularly if you look at the depth of this roster, they, they were ready to get frisky that year, and, and then this happened. And the, what happened? Tell us. And again, I was listening to this while walking the boy through Prospect Park, so my recollection may not be 100% rock solid. But there is a tape, a tape that is released on TMZ of a recorded conversation of Donald Sterling with his significantly younger girlfriend, mistress, V. V Stiviano, born Maria Vanessa Perez, also known as Monica Gallegos, Vanessa Perez, and Maria Valdez. So she had many names. And she records Donald Sterling, and what does he say?
1: Basically, you're making me look bad by posting pictures on Instagram where you're associating with black people and one person that she was associating with or that she posted was Magic Johnson and I love Jamel Hill in this she said if you don't like Magic Johnson it's like saying you don't like old folks puppies and seals (laughs) so he basically blew it like took it not only you don't associate with him but don't ever put that in my face or put me in a bad position where my friends will call me talking about you, basically saying, why do you have your girl associated with black people? Right. You can do it in private. You can love them. You can love them when no one's looking, but never out in public.
0: And then it gets worse, right? So we're not going to, I don't know how much we want to talk about.
1: Say There's a bad tape. Yeah. It's not about sexual exploitation. It is unmasking a bigot, a racist, and someone who is showing his true colors in a private setting with his girlfriend.
0: A a plantation mentality, too, about his team, right? Was the other sensibility where he's basically saying, I give them food, I put clothes on their backs. There's a lot of really incendiary language around how he, as an owner, it's his team, it's his league, they play for him. And there is this sense of entitlement and privilege where he even doubles down on it when he gets a chance to back out on on a follow-up interview with Anderson Cooper, he doubles down and he attacks Magic again. He is the opposite of remorseful about this. He feels as though he did nothing wrong. He's a really terrible public figure. And it's mind-boggling how bad he is. So the show is worth watching just to be reacquainted with just how horrifically bad he
1: was. Crinsworthy listen and crinsworthy interview, right? And, crinsworthy listening to the audio and then crinsworthy listening to the and,
0: and he still at the time owns the team, you know? And meanwhile, Adam Silver, which is probably the next place to go, comes in. The players themselves and Doc are totally shook, right? So, I mean, we at least have that element of the reaction. You know, Chris Paul, I thought was pretty good at telling the story, at least from his own perspective.
1: Yep. You mentioned a few people already. So Doc Rivers, mm-hmm. Chris Paul yeah and adam silver Mm -hmm. and i thought in each of those cases it's a master class in leadership so doc rivers he was an untenable position black man who already knows ownership who had experience really interesting experience ownership during the 2013 free agency period when he wanted to bring in and had already secured jj reddick and at the last minute, Donald Sterling ends up nixing the deal because he don't want to pay that, pay that much for a white player. It says a lot about ownership. So you got Doc who needs to go in and make sure he's leading a team, being empathetic, hearing his players, not forcing to do something that he knows he wouldn't be willing to do, but also trying to keep their, their eye on the prize, which was winning a championship because Lob City was a place to do that. Yeah, You got Chris Paul, who's the leader of the team, and also – president of the Players Association at the same time. Right, right. Now, not only making sure he's keeping his emotion in check, he's got to show up as a leader, but then also representing the league, the players, Mm -hmm. against an owner who everyone knows early on should no longer be a part of the NBA. And he's got to not only have this public face talking about what's going on in the court, but privately working around the clock to... Represent the players and figure out what's going to happen next.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, last is Adam Silver, who has been in the NBA forever. He learned mm-hmm. at he learned at David Stern's feet. He mm-hmm. he's been, you know, connected to these owners for years. As he said, he's known Donald Sterling for over twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. And now he's two to three months into his job, and this crisis lands in his lap, and he has to make a call. Mm-hmm. He has to be the moral leader. So right. I just, those three individuals in particular, as you know, we like to call back to moments of lessons that we can learn moments where individuals step up in the times of crisis. I said, I think it just says a lot about who they are as human beings. And I just give a lot of credit to what Adam Silver did, which is ultimately giving a ruling that it's a lifetime ban for Donald Sterling, which never happened for an owner. Chris Paul for, you know, at the end of the day, even though they lose in the second round, he puts it on him and doesn't ever blame what happened on the outside, even though he had more to shoulder than anyone else. And for Mm -hmm. Doc, for getting his players to show up, but never putting himself in a position where he was bigger than them. It was almost like we're all in this together. So those are – Those three individuals, I just, I I appreciate the documentary more than anything else, getting a chance to see them and how they were. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. I would add a fourth, and that would be Matt Barnes for coming up with the protest that the Clippers wound up agreeing to. It did bring me back. Game four in Oakland, the Clippers come out. Everyone's trying to figure out what are they going to do. They come out wearing their shirts on inside out so they're just wearing red shirts and they all throw their clippers jerseys at center court to clarify that they're not playing for the clippers team they're playing for uh, themselves as as men who are responsible for what they they do in their career and felt felt the need to be there but uh, i'm only half kidding you know because i actually think the no i i agree the, the The chemistry on that team actually was pretty good. That's why I do think they probably had a shot at the championship, honestly, is my my perspective on this, because the level of teamwork necessary to withstand this, this sort of unprecedented jolt is definitely evident, even to this day. And they wound up beating a tough Warriors team. Granted, they were expected to win that series. And then they went out in a tough series against KD and Oklahoma City, but they very easily could have won that series. So you never know what could have happened. I think you're right to treat this as a lesson in leadership. And yeah, it is also a pivot for the NBA, right, in in two ways. It's following through on the Trayvon Martin protest to the players feeling empowered to stand for social causes, particularly Black Lives Matter related, you know, the the assault on young Black men in America, young young African-Americans just in general, but but young boys really who are kind of reflective of the the people who really comprise a large part of the NBA the players feel more comfortable with those protest moves relative to Jordan and then with Adam Silver Silver's move suddenly the commissioner is in support of the players and i think it really does fully manifest a shift from the owners really owning the league to the players now being empowered to lead in ways that, that you don't see in other leagues. It's an interesting contrast, too, for the NBA relative to, say, the NFL.
1: You're hitting on something as you talk about that moment, what enabled the NBA to move. It's just not the audio itself. There are other factors that go into it. So if you compare it to what's happening today, you know, there's a swift end to the Arnold Sterling story. Oh, no, he had to sell his... Team for over $2 billion, and Donald, I feel bad for him. He's going to walk away with a billion. Right. So, but there's an end to it. So, you can root out that racism. Mm -hmm. What's happening today, you can't put a tidy bow on. But I do think there's a parallel. Back in 2012, Trayvon Martin, the death of another black male, the heat protested on the court or wore hoodies in the court to support Trayvon Martin or some other players around the league. but sort of went, it was almost like the, the way that people are covering, covering COVID right now. It was mm-hmm. hot for a moment and now all of a sudden no one's talking about the fact that everyone's outside again and that mm-hmm. we should be seeing a spike in COVID-related illnesses. Mm-hmm. So what happened in 2014, the, the, the equation, the special mix was, Donald Sterling was on tape mm-hmm. that everyone can hear and or see. so we heard it this time. Money was leaving. So people were fleeing the Clippers. Brands that are associated with advertising the Clippers are fleeing out of the Clippers, are fleeing the NBA. And protests were happening, not just once of a silent few, but broadly outside the Clippers, Clipper Stadium, mm-hmm. Golden State, to the point where Garcetti, the mayor of LA at the time, and then in conjunction the mayor of Sacramento or mayor of LA calls Donald Sterling to tell him, basically tell me he needs to sell. Right. So super interesting to, to look at that versus what's happening now. Floyd, it was something on tape. So you mm-hmm. actually have, people don't believe racism is out there, but you actually can see it in, in real life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You have money and individual brands that realize they can't associate with Either you can't be quiet anymore, it's not enough to put a BLM or Black Lives Matter hashtag out, need to do something. So, mo- mo- money's mobilizing. And the protests are not a silent group, but across, this, across the country. So, there won't be a tiny bow, but it's just an interesting time that really post being on high with the 10 part series with The Last Dance and saying we we're going to watch Blackball, it's really, it was really interesting to be watching. Spending only 84 minutes, so yeah. no one can do it. 84 minutes reliving what happened with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Powerful
0: stuff. Closing thoughts, or those are they? Those are they. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll keep running it back. Obviously, some stuff's just left open-ended. You know, not really the resolution that maybe we would want. Although, hopefully, some some semblance of justice is ultimately gonna happen here and certainly folks are going to continue to assert their right to protest and we'll continue to track it and i think we're going to continue to run it back too Uh, i think there's talk about a certain alan iverson press conference in our future so so be on the lookout for that and uh tarlin as always uh thanks for joining i always love being back to run it back (laughs) we'll be back again soon thanks everyone for listening